0: Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, afternoon pod time. Need a little more time to uh, dissect what happened over the weekend time. Not a great weekend time. Not the worst weekend. No, it was pretty bad. It was a pretty bad weekend time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday afternoon. Obviously not a Monday morning, and there's a reason for that that we're going to get to here in just a second. But it's not just me on this podcast. We've also got esteemed co-worker Patrick Brown going here from his house across town there. What's up, Patrick?
1: Much, Wes. How are you doing today? Not
0: not too bad, man. You know, I I think we finally found Pat the one thing that could maybe cause the Atlanta Braves to lose a game these days, and that is for you to attend the game in
1: person. Well, first of all, that's the reason why the podcast is not coming out at its normal time, it's because the wife and I went to the Atlanta Braves, San Francisco Giants game on Sunday. Uh, they did lose. Now, I went to a game in June, and they won 15-1. to one, So Still up on aggregate uh, they score? Also, they also didn't play Ronald Acuna in this game, so I, I'm going to say that's a big reason also why they didn't win.
0: Hey, uh, they would still be up in the aggregate score, though. That's the important thing. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, and you know, it's funny that, uh, that earlier, that all this year, there have been times, and this is 100% true story, there have been multiple times where Grant Ramey had the chance to go to a Braves game and chose not to because he thought he was the one causing them bad luck losses in person. And then finally, finally, he changed his mind, decided to go down to a game with his old man. They won that game. And as it turns out, maybe you're the bad luck. So I'm going to request that you go ahead and attend all of them from this point forward. I'm going to give you the time off to go take care of that. Can you can you do that?
1: Good good news for the Braves is that I have not purchased any playoff tickets yet, and with uh, with it being the middle of football season, I don't know that I'm gonna if I'll be able to swing that.
0: And the good news
1: that it, it was a Sunday before the open date.
0: And the good news for me is I didn't buy playoff tickets either because I'm not going to need them as it turns out. After the uh, Cubs had a, uh, I think possibly even a worse weekend than than the Vols did, <laughs> losing four just absolute gut punchers to the. The Devil's Own children, the St. Louis Cardinals. Anyway, I'm gonna to try to forget about that and move on. But Pat, speaking of the Vols, they also uh, not such a not such a great weekend. Uh, we all got there in the rental, went down to Gainesville, Florida, watched Tennessee play the Florida Gators, the ninth-ranked Gators, in uh, Tennessee's own House of Horrors down there at the Swamp, and uh, it kind of went to chalk, didn't it, for for how this thing goes down there usually.
1: Yeah, we we we've. Talked about it before, but it just seems like every time Tennessee goes down there and plays in Gainesville, something bad always happens. Um, although in, in this situation and for Saturday, it was a lot of bad. You know, it wasn't like oh Justin Hunter blew his knee out on like the second offensive play of the game, or uh, you started Nathan Peterman and it backfired, or you had a you know big play at the end. It, this was just a. Um, it, it was sort of a, I don't want to say, cacophony of just bad, but just uh, it was just a really rough day and um, for Tennessee. And I think this is, I think, Jeremy Pruitt's coached in I'm trying to do a math off the top of my head here. 16 games now, and Saturday was, I believe, his seventh loss uh, of more than 25 points, uh, and that's just real. That has to be really sobering if you're a Tennessee fan for where this program currently is right now. And uh, and they go into this open date, frankly, with uh, a lot of questions, including one big one that I'm sure we're we're going to spend most of this podcast talking about.
0: Yeah, we'll be spending the second segment of this podcast talking exclusively about the quarterback situation. Uh, I don't want to say exclusively; we might bring up a couple of more things, um, but it'll mostly be about that quarterback situation. But Pat you used the word. You said you didn't want to use cacophony. I'll use another one: conflagration. There's a conflagration of events, basically, and, and I, I'll tell you. Um, you can always, it's always in hindsight, easy to sit there and say, well, here's where things just completely went off the rails. And I got to tell you when a player of Jawan Jennings caliber lets a three, uh, three yard touchdown pass go right through his hands, bounce off his shoulder helmet, go up in the air and get intercepted in the end zone. That right there is probably a sign from the football gods that it is not your day because that guy has been as automatic as possible throughout this season. Even in Saturday's game, he was targeted eight times. Seven of them were for catches, and some of them were difficult catches. And then the one that he did not catch was the one in the end zone that turned into an interception that just really, really kind of – that was a big gut punch for Tennessee.
1: Yeah, and that was one of the big early plays in, in the game. Um, and one that, as you said, was is out of character for a guy that has played as well as John Jennings has this season, and he otherwise played pretty good. Uh, on saturday had a big catch on the first series uh took a short pass made a couple guys miss uh, it always seems like it takes him uh multiple guys to get him on the crown when he's got the ball after the catch but uh I, and some people were were saying that throw was on jerry garantano i mean it hit juan right in the hands i think jeremy Prude said says much after the game you know, if it hits us in the hands we got to catch it now yeah it was an l way so, cross
0: and it didn't have to be but still
1: yeah it, it was, you know, if you're a quarterback there, you, you're working in tight windows, tight spaces down there at the two, um, or at the three-yard line, where they were. And, he, you know, Juwan had sort of posted up right in between two, uh, two defenders. So, it, you know, it's got to be quick. It's got to have some zip on it. And uh, still, I mean, that's one of those plays where you get to the, you know, the debate of uh, is, is all of this on the coaches or on the players? You know, Jim Cheney draws up a play to get a guy open in the end zone. You you got to you got to pitch and catch. You got to make simple throws like that. Um, and and uh, not not to say that I'm defending and Garantano. There's a lot of stuff after that that went really bad for for him. And uh, Tennessee obviously has a lot of quarterback questions. But yeah, that kind of set the tone. I mean, that was off of a turnover. Tennessee had just had a turnover overturned by replay. Uh, they got one back on the fumble, started in the red zone, and, and couldn't catch it in. It would have been like a seven-seven. Yep. Uh, and it was it was a big play because Tennessee never really got all that close to the end zone the rest of the game.
0: Yeah, and you can say that this ended up being a 31-point game, so what does that matter? Uh, I completely disagree with that because it's hard to go trying to kind of try to play butterfly effect on some of this stuff. But you never know. Like, for instance, what happens in that Georgia State game if if Georgia State doesn't get a 20-yard short field and score on the very first um, you know possession of the game? What happens if that doesn't happen? We don't know. Because one play in a sport where momentum is so important, one play can just really start an entire series of events that go the wrong way. And you never know if that Florida team, I think, Pat, I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you speak for yourself on this one, uh, but I'm going to tell you what I think. I went into that game not knowing that was a top 10 team or not, and I still don't know because I don't think Florida – did anything that spectacular during that game? I think Florida did a whole bunch of very ordinary things that solid, good football teams should do. Uh, it got players open. Uh, it, it was able to pitch and catch the ball. Uh, it was able to make tackles in front of them. They just they they did the very basic things that you're supposed to do when you're a pretty good football team. So I, I don't know exactly how good Florida is. I just know that in my heart of hearts tennessee is a one and three football team but i know tennessee is better than this i know it is i know this collection of players is better than this i don't know how much better um but i know it is i, I just I, I don't know if that doesn't go the way it goes uh, and if they don't just completely make a lot of really dumb 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 simple plays i don't know that that game turns out nearly that bad in fact i think it might have been a single digit game yeah
1: you know but. the the problem is, is though and something that Jeremy Pruitt said after the Florida game, that is the same thing that he said after the other two losses. It's a Tennessee makes just so many mistakes with bad execution and turnovers and negative plays. They give up big plays on defense. They just do so many of these things that they don't have a margin of error to overcome. They don't have the talent. They don't have the the playmakers, the the star players that you need. They don't have the quarterback play to kind of play themselves uh out of these mistakes that they make and so uh, the problem with that is that you keep hearing that though you you keep seeing and you keep you know after these games you're saying well uh, we made all these mistakes and basically didn't give us a chance to win at some point they've got to play a clean game at some point they can't have a game where they have seven penalties uh and turn the ball over what was it four times on saturday and give up four sacks i mean um at some point, if you're, you know, if, if you're the coaching staff and you need your players to execute better, you either need to change up your calls and what you're doing, or you need to change up who the players are. So, um, I, I think that's what's. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of frustration that's abounding in this program. I don't know that uh, if you just went down the rosters, if, if Florida, especially missing some of the guys they were missing on on Saturday. I mean, they were playing a backup quarterback and, and Kyle Trask. was starting his first game since he was a freshman in high school. They didn't have C.J. Henderson again. They didn't have Jabari Zuniga. Uh, two of their arguably two of their best players on defense, and uh, Tennessee still just kind of melted down on offense and didn't really do a whole lot. So uh, at some point they have to figure out a way to play a game where they don't basically give themselves no chance of winning. Uh, and uh, even and in, in, in some of these games they're going to play coming up, they could play that clean game and it's not going to matter because they're going to be out-talented by the likes of Georgia and Alabama. But uh, I mean, yeah, they just they 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 gave themselves no chance to win by how they played. And uh, some of that is when players have to do the simple things. The other thing, and some of it's on the coaches have to, to do a better job of getting players in position and uh, and, and getting them into in where they can be successful and where they can execute.
0: Yeah. And to, to your point about penalties there, it's not just that Tennessee had seven penalties in that game. It's that Tennessee had 75 yards in penalties in those seven penalties. I'm really bad at math, but I can tell you right now that that's more than 10 yards of penalty. And if you're averaging more than 10 yards of penalty, you know exactly what that means. Uh, in, in in a game where there are no penalties more than 15 yards, that means the majority of your penalties are the worst penalties you can have. Uh, they are having personal foul penalties. They are having just woeful, wo- just major, major mental breakdowns in some areas, doing some stuff they can't afford to do. But but here here's where, where I am with this team. They have made some significant strides in the things that we said going into this season that Tennessee would not have a chance at all to play good football and be a decent football team if Tennessee could play better on the line of scrimmage. And I'm going to tell you right now, Tennessee is playing better on the line of scrimmage than I thought it would. I'm an, uh, Tennessee is a 1-3 football team, but it is playing better on the line of scrimmage than I thought it would going into the season. That doesn't mean it's playing great, but it's playing okay. It's playing okay football there. Florida is not an outstanding rushing team, but you know it, it, it's got some pretty good prospects there. It's got a couple good running backs. Florida averaged 3.5 yards a rush. Florida had 128 rushing yards in that football game. Uh, Tennessee, uh, some of the sacks uh, and some of the the negative yardage plays that occurred were not the fault of the offensive line. They're playing better football there. The problem is they are playing so much worse in areas that we did not expect. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But in, in general here, I mean, I don't think they're playing that bad up front. I think they've gotten better in those areas. It's just that they've had some horrible regressions in other areas.
1: Yeah, you know, I think the offensive line has played better maybe a little bit than last season. I don't know how many sacks they've given up uh, this season off the top of my head, but uh, they're giving up a lot of sacks against four-man rushes, and that's not necessarily on the offensive line. I think some of that's on indecisiveness with the quarterback. Four on Saturday, uh, one of them was when, was when Jerry Garantano saw that Florida had rushed four and dropped seven, didn't see anybody open. Tried to tuck it, and make something happen real quick, and, and they just, you know, they got to him. Uh, there was another sack on Garantano where he just held the ball too long, and then uh, two more of them were when when Brian Maurer was in the game and he's trying to escape pressure and get out of the pocket. And so, um, uh, surely the offensive line can can play better. They still had some busts, they still had some mistakes. Uh, you know, Trey Smith had a penalty in the first half. Riley Lockley, you know, was in in the game off the bench and picked up two false starts. He's a junior. He shouldn't be doing that. Um, and so, um, and, and the defensive line, I, you know, I think there's still, you know, Florida's not a great offensive line, not a great running team. They didn't really run the ball all that well till the fourth quarter when they kind of put the game away there, uh, with the, with the touchdown drive that I think they, like the last 50 yards were on the ground. But, um, I thought Craig Garland and Matthew Butler had, had nice games. Uh, Aubrey Solomon made a, made a play early in the game. I came up with those two stops on, on like third and two and fourth and two. Uh, in the first half to get a to stop a drive right around the 30-yard line uh, when they were still kind of in the game. So um, that now are they going to be able to stop Georgia from running the ball? I don't, I don't know. But uh, the, def- the defensive line was always going to be sort of a work in progress, and the offensive line is, is still kind of getting there. And it seems like they, one of that last game, had, had settled on a starting five, and now they just kind of need to see if uh, that's the one they can roll with the rest of the season. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's just – when, when Tennessee – you know, when, when you're in a situation like Tennessee is, um, you know, it's not just one problem. And, and I think another area, and you pointed this out, some of the, the the areas we thought would be better for Tennessee that haven't been was, you know, the secondary got torched on, on Saturday. Um, and, you know, Florida had guys running open. And when Florida didn't have guys running open, they were still making plays. Now, Theo Jackson came up with an interception and forced another interception. But uh, they gave up, I think, 10, 10 completions of 15-plus yards. It's hard to win when you're giving up that many big plays. Uh, through the air, and it wasn't just on the defensive backs. I mean, the linebackers have to take uh, some responsibility in that too. But uh, that was a what we thought could be a strength for Tennessee going into the season, and it it certainly didn't look like that uh, against Florida on Saturday.
0: Yeah, you know, I I, I wouldn't call myself a you know an X's and O's football expert when I try to break down some film and stuff. But if you want to cover this stuff and you want to know what you're talking about, you got to be able to go back and watch the game, and you got to be able to go look at stuff. And I know both of us sitting here talking right now, we do that. Uh, And and I went back and I watched uh, a chunk of the game uh, over again. And, you know, I I didn't do much in the fourth quarter because the the pig was cooked at that point. But when I was looking early in the game, there was at least, I think, three times in the first half where Tennessee had either a four or five man front and every single person up front did their job. And I got to tell you, that might sound like a small thing. That's like climbing Everest for this team. With where people thought they would be up front, they're playing okay up front. They're not great, but they're playing okay. Uh, it's just like you said; it, it, it's other areas. They've got some guys out there um, that are really, really struggling. They got the quarterback of the offense and and the quarterback of the secondary, and Garantano and Warrior. They're both struggling pretty bad at times, and uh, it's causing it's causing some issues. But but now what, what I wonder, Pat, is is this. Tennessee is 1-3. Uh, this is about what we thought was the worst-case scenario, or possibly the worst-case scenario, or close to it anyway, uh, going into the season. Now you're Tennessee, you're going into, you've just started your worst gauntlet of the season, right? And Florida, we talked about this going into the game, Florida was an opportunity for Tennessee to reset the season. You know, it's like if you're if you're playing really bad in a video game, uh, old school, and you just turn the thing off in the fourth quarter because you're tired of it and you think the computer's cheating, and then you can go play the game again. Tennessee got a chance to go do that with the start of SEC play, uh, and it started just as painfully as the first part of the season did. Now, this is where you're entering the absolute meat grinder part of the schedule. You've got a bunch of guys now who very clearly have to be frustrated. They're probably not in the greatest mood when they walk into the complex every day, a coaching staff that's not used to losing players that are tired of losing. How does this not start to spiral?
1: Well, that's, that's the big question. And it's going to take, um, I don't want to use the the word resiliency, but that's, it's going to take some perseverance and some digging deep um, from members of this coaching staff and from some of the players and, um, and I think people have been I don't wanna say talking about a youth movement, but that notion is out there now they're, they're playing a lot of young guys, a lot of first and second year guys that this staff has brought in and there's not uh, it's not like they have 20 other young guys that are just a matter of time before they can go play a lot. Um, but but they're gonna have to rely on some of those guys that are still you know, um, you know that, that came here to play for the staff and, and believe in the staff uh, the future of this program with the staff and and the staff is going to have to, uh, they they need something good to happen, and I don't know that'll it happen against Georgia coming out of this open date. Um, and you know I don't I don't know that'll happen against like Mississippi State or Alabama to follow, but uh, they need something to sort of restore hope. Um, and I don't know what that is at this point. Uh, and and it's you might not find it this week while there's no game. So um, yeah, I mean it's a it's a tough situation, but it's sort of the the bed that Tennessee's made for itself, and and now they got to find a way to to coach and, and play their way out of it. And, um, they, you know, it's Saturday was really ugly in a lot of, a lot of fronts. And, um, you know, like, like you said, I don't, I don't know that Florida's is a world beater. Um, but they does, he kind of made them look like that a little bit on, on Saturday. And, um, and that's just sort of a, a really humbling, uh, it had to be sort of a humbling day for a lot of people in the program, but you, you got to kind of, kind of roll up your sleeves and focus on what's next. That's just sort of the nature of uh, this business for a lot of people that are in the business and, and they have to focus on what's next. Can't dwell too much on what's happened and, and they got to go try to, uh, to change the, the situation.
0: Yeah. I will say this before we go to break. I, I wanted to mention a couple guys here, uh, you know, cause cause they always say things are never as good as they seem, never bad as they seem. I think it's fair to say that there are a few guys on this Tennessee team who are actually showing glimpses of hope moving forward. Um, I know he had a fumble in the game, but I really like what I see from Eric Gray still. I think he's a really – Dynamic player, and I think he's a guy that that Tennessee needs to give the ball to more. I I think one touch in the first half for him is just not enough. Uh, I think he needs to be involved more in the plan. Um, And I'll say another guy who just every time I turn on the film, this guy is all over the place, uh, Quavaris Crouch. This kid is – I know maybe the numbers don't quite show it 100% yet – but this kid is is special in some ways. Uh, he is quick. He's explosive. He's a big guy. And now you're, you're seeing the in the short yardage package there that maybe he will indeed be you know a situational running back for Tennessee. He's a guy I like a lot. Everyone knows uh, Henry Toto, what kind of player he is. Um, I, I think he's just going to keep getting better and better. Uh, I do think after watching the film that Bryce Thompson did not play as badly as I thought he did maybe live. Um, on, on one of those completions, he allowed – uh, he just simply slipped. His foot got caught in the dirt or something, and he he got taken down by the turf monster. And in one more, he had perfect coverage, and one more, he had really good coverage. And so those things are just going to happen. Uh, there are some other guys out there. Uh, I think Emerson is playing better football. Uh, Karat Garland played what I think was his best game, probably, uh, since he's been at Tennessee over the weekend. I mean, Pruitt might watch the film and see something else, um, but I think that's that's a positive sign. Uh, Theo Jackson continues to occasionally give up some stuff, um, but he's showing instincts out there that are that are better than most of the other guys in that secondary. Um, there are some guys out there. Uh, some of the guys on the O line have gotten a lot better. There are some there are some reasons to believe that this thing could get better. I think, but it's going to come down to one simple thing, and that is sort of your 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 desire to get better. Um, because it's hard. I mean, we we heard guys like Theo Jackson talking about it even before the Florida game started, that it gets harder to go into all these weeks. Um, You keep losing. It's just hard to kind of get up and your body's sore and you want to go to work with a positive attitude. But it's hard to when you're losing because you're having to watch film of getting embarrassed. Then you're having to go out there and get yelled at by your coaches. Then you're having to go out there and and kind of you know you know flesh out some some differences you've got with your teammates. People kind of get snippy. It's it's hard when you're losing. Everything is hard when you're losing. And um, I think the absolute best case scenario over the next after this bye week and the three weeks after that, I think in the next calendar month or whatever, the very best case scenario for them, best case scenario, is one win. So this they've they've entered this part now where things are going to get really thick and they're going to have to figure this out and and I think they're going to have to figure out now I think I don't think it's too much of an exaggeration Pat, to say that they're about to find out who wants to be here and who doesn't because you've entered the four game mark we all know that what that means with the portal we all know that if you don't play anymore the rest of the season, you can still redshirt. You can still, you know, for some of these guys, maybe go be a grad transfer somewhere. I think right now, right now, this bye week, we're going to start figuring out who wants to be here and who doesn't.
1: Yeah, and and certainly there were some of those rumors flying around Sunday night. Um, As as of the time we're recording this, not anything has uh, uh, materialized with any of those rumors at this point. So... Um, but that's certainly, you know, when we, when we go to practice on, on Tuesday, there will, there certainly will be some guys that, um, you know, we'll, will we'll be checking and we'll be sort of taking role a little bit. And, you know, I'm not going to get into any names because that's, I don't think that's fair to some of those guys, but uh, yeah, I don't think you need to be a rocket scientist to figure out. There's probably some upperclassmen that maybe haven't used red shirts yet that aren't playing very much um, that may be sort of disgruntled with playing time and, and they've got to decide what's best for them. And I mean, talked about this kind of program has to figure out who's who's on board and who's not I mean it's let's you know some of these players need to do what they think is best for them so um and and some of those guys will maybe you know maybe there's some of those discussions going on early in the week but um you know we're kind of just talking in the the hypothetical here but uh but yeah I mean and, and Pruitt said after the game on Saturday that he thought during Tennessee's open date last season that they really made the most of it and improved and um, and sort really backed that up because they came out out of that open date and beat Auburn, and that was one of their. Uh, at this point, I think that's probably the crowning achievement of of Jeremy Pruitt's tenure is is that win. Yep. Um, uh, and so I, you know, it'd be nicer if they, for them, if they weren't playing Georgia right out of the open date, even though it's at home, and uh, as we found out on on Monday, it's going to be a night game. So, um, but, you know, they have a chance to sort of. I don't say hit the reset button, but sort of catch their breath and focus on themselves for a little bit before they have to go take the plunge. And uh, you said you think one win is uh, maybe the best case scenario. I don't know if you're including South Carolina in that. They look like they might be a mess too.
0: No, um, I, I mean I mean I mean kind of State. the next three games. I mean I mean Georgia State and Bama.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean I, I don't. I wouldn't pick them to be Mississippi State right now. I think they could win that game, but. Um, I don't even know if it, at, at current, on current forum, how confident I would feel picking Tennessee to beat UAB. Uh, and UAB might be seven and or six and one going in that game, uh, to start November. So, uh, but that's on down the road. Um, and, and I think you're, 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 right that Tennessee needs to figure out who's invested, who's on board. Uh, they didn't travel a couple guys that have, uh, started games this season on Saturday. Jameer Johnson's supposedly dealing with a, a sort of a knee situation, although we frankly we've seen him practicing the last couple of weeks so uh that that's a little little bit of a disconnect there um and the and, and will ignot wasn't there either so um those are those are you know when you start seeing that stuff it kind of makes you wonder but uh yeah i mean they, they've got to figure out who's in and who's not uh, and, and that's you know it could turn into some things it could turn into nothing but certainly uh with with the open date where it is after four games that's uh, you you're not you're not wrong to bring up the the point you did there,
0: yeah, I think the with with Ignaut in particular i'm I'm not really so much shocked by that one because I think there are some. There have been a couple of alarm bells there before, nothing to get specific about, but I, I think that, that it was fair to wonder if, if something was going on there. The Jameer Johnson one really surprised me because uh, just about every time he's been on the field the past couple of years, he's been one of their most consistent offensive linemen. So maybe it was, maybe it is just an injury situation. Maybe he wasn't quite a hundred percent. I don't know what that deal is there, but the um, that that one certainly surprised me, and that's going to be something to. To to figure out, although uh, Jeremy Pruitt did say that he expects Jameer Johnson back to be fine for the next game, so uh, he and he did not say that about Ignat. In fact, he did not say anything about Ignat, good or bad. So uh, he just kind of um, ignored the fact that that uh, that that question was asked. So that's going to be something interesting to talk about. But I know the thing everyone wants to talk about the most. Um, we've danced around it. We've talked about everything else. We've kind of set the table. Uh, Pat, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to step away, pay some bills, do some products, services, all those things, uh, find out who's paying the the bills for this episode, and then we're going to come back and we're going to discuss Tennessee's quarterback situation. And I don't know about you, Pat, but, boy, I think this could be a doozy.
1: Yes. Stay tuned. Hashtag
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, Welcome back to the Govols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you just heard a second ago during that commercial break. I'm Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Monday afternoon. Patrick Brown coming to you from uh, the the uh, one of the West Knox County offices of uh, Govols 24-7 there at his house. Pat, um, we've debated this a little bit and we now need to talk about it. Um, I'm going to put this in the most uh, succinct way that I can. What in the hell is wrong with Jared Garantano? Uh,
1: Yeah, I I don't know. He just, he seems devoid of of confidence. And, uh, you know, he talked about after the Chattanooga game, how he started to feel like himself again. And then, uh, you know, there's some early adversity with the interception in the end zone. Uh, I didn't think that was really on him, but, uh, and then from that point on, he was just sort of kind of in a shell. I mean, uh, he, he has the delay of game coming out to start the second quarter. Um, then I, I don't know. I just don't know how you overthrow a guy as badly as he did Dominic Wood Anderson.
0: Yeah, um, I, I, and it wasn't my I, key. I could watch that throw for the rest of my life and not understand what happened
1: there. And, and, and you know, I even said in the press box, I'm like, this guy can't just just can't give him, you know, he can't give himself a break right now. Like he can you know, that's a throw that you got to be able to make at any level of any quarterback play. You have to make a throw. When that guy's wide open. And the way Jeremy Pruitt made it sound after game is that they pretty much had exactly what they wanted. I think Florida probably will say they had a bus in the secondary, but to turn a guy that loose, but uh, you, you got to hit that throw. But then he comes back two plays later and steps in the pocket, steps into a throw on a deep out, hits Juwan Jennings perfectly. Threw the ball. We had a great vantage point on it uh, from where we were, and kind of in the far corner. But he throws that ball before Juwan Jennings is even out of his break. Yep. Takes a big hit. Beautiful throw. Converts the third down. And then a few plays later, he throws an interception that sort of, kind of, sort of sounded like Jeremy Pruitt put on him in, the, in sort of the trap coverage uh, that, that Florida was playing. through it right to Marco Wilson when Mark West Calloway was didn't break the route off. And so I, I think uh, it looked like maybe not to get all X's and O's here, but it looks like Florida was in a cover two. You got that shot right there in sort of the, uh, the hole between the corner and the safety over the top and just a, just a bad mistake that your fourth year.
0: Yeah. That, 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 that had to be a play that Callaway got right. I mean, looking at the coverage, I don't see any way other to look, to look at it other than Garantano made the wrong read. Yeah.
1: And that, that, you know, and that's, uh, and that's, you know, that, that's how, Prove made it sound after the game, and it's just he. I think after that, you know, to close out the first half, he had two play. I think two plays in a three-play sequence where one, where both times, he just went through maybe one or two quick reads, saw that Florida had dropped a lot of guys in coverage, and just tucked the ball and try to make something happen when he's not a runner. One was a sack. One was almost a sack. Uh, they tackled him for like a two-yard gain or something like that, and then then he has a throw on the swing pass. Which, first of all, Tennessee should just scrap that play. From the playbook this week. They should just ditch it, not run it again. The the play that turns into a lateral. It was initially ruled a lateral. It was overturned. Um, but it's just it's yeah, a no, bad mojo play. No more to, no more swing it.
0: passes. No more. No more.
1: Um and if you if you go back and watch it, they kinda had it blocked up pretty good. It looked like it was gonna be uh, I think I think Chandler would have been one on one with a with a linebacker. I mean, I think they had uh I think they had the two receivers out there blocking on their guys. So I don't know if it would have gotten a first down it was on, it was on a third down play, but uh, it's a simple call that you have to be able to. You yes. Know, it's
0: not, you clear out the receivers, you get yeah. the matchup you want with the linebacker. You have a really good, like a college level kind of player of like kind of what Camara does, where you have a, a running back who can catch the ball and who's really good in space and you get him cleared out one-on-one with the linebacker. It is not a bad play call. It's a very simple, conservative, efficient play call. And you just have to make the throw.
1: Yeah, and it's not a compli- It's not a hard throw. I mean, we've seen Garantano make a lot of throws harder than that one, and he kind of throws it behind and low, and Chandler drops it, kicks it. Uh, it looked like it was going to be a turnover, like it was against Georgia State, but uh, I, I guess they ruled it forward. I I didn't. I, I wasn't overly convinced I, on the replay. I was kind of
0: surprised. I didn't see enough I, evidence I, to overturn that.
1: I just they they had no choice but to to try something different at quarterback in that game. Uh, and so I, it wasn't really surprising, uh, given how Garantano played in the first half, that they changed it uh, and went to went to Mauer. It was surprising given how much over the past couple of weeks Jeremy Pruitt has really defended Garantano. I mean, you look at just a week ago before that game, uh, in the post game after they beat Chattanooga, I asked him, you know, if that week was any different for Garantano after the first two games and. And he was basically bristled that any notion that there was a quarterback controversy that Tennessee has ever thought about changing quarterbacks. Um, and then a week later, he's, you know, they're to a point where they have to to make a change and try something new. Um, and, and, you know, and, and where do they go during this open date? I don't know. I mean, I, I think you, uh, I think that's obviously the biggest question that, that the Vols have to answer, but, um, and, and listen, you know, you compare what Pruitt said after the Chattanooga game to what he said when he was asked straight up after the Florida game with they were going to open it up. It certainly sounds like they're going to they're going to open it up. He didn't say that, but given how different those answers or how contrasting his answer was to every other time he's talked about Garantana, you have to think that they're going to give Maurer a serious look this week.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to make a list here of guys, and I know that Jeremy Pruitt said during camp that that basically only that Garantano, you know, Garantano was the only like lockdown starter that they had. And that's, that's obviously not true. I, I, I'm making a small list here. Let me know if I'm forgetting anyone. These are guys that we could have said going into camp, they're, they're going to be starters. Like they're just going to be. Garantano was one of them. Batuli was one of them. Uh, Daryl Taylor was one of them. Jawan Jennings, Callaway, Josh Palmer, Brandon Kennedy, maybe Nigel Warrior.
1: Probably Trey Smith. You know, with the caveat that if he was healthy. Yeah,
0: yeah. So you're talking about a list of maybe, you know, a single-digit number of guys probably who went into camp knowing they absolutely were starters. They did not need to look over their shoulder. They just needed to go out there and play football. Garantano was one of those guys, and he was given nothing but a shot of confidence after a shot of confidence with a chaser of confidence by Jeremy Pruitt. All offseason, they built a relationship. He and Jim Chaney spent a lot of time getting to know each other. Uh, this offense was kind of tooled around a lot of the stuff that he does well. They they just, they just put this on a platter for him. And for them to, in the fourth game of the season, while Garantano is healthy, for things to deteriorate to a point where they have to go with a true freshman who has never played in a road college football game and they have to start with him in the third quarter, that is shocking. It is It is befuddling that things have reached this level. His protection now up front is better than it ever was last season. None of this makes any sense whatsoever. And the only thing that I can think of, there's two possibilities here, and and it's got to be one of the two, and and maybe it's both of them. Uh, Either his confidence is just completely gone to a point where he's like a putter who can't, you know, a golfer who can't make like a three-foot putt because he's got the yips. That's one. Yeah,
1: the yips. Uh, that's what
0: I was, yeah. And, and number two uh, is that there is something about this offense with Chaney that he is either not grasping or they've put too much on him. Those are the only two things in my mind that make any kind of sense because this is not a senior who, you know, is definitely playing. This is his last shot. He's got, he's, he'll have to go to the draft after this year no matter what. So that's not a thing. Um, you know, Garantano talks all the time about how positive his family life is. And he, 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 speaks about his girlfriend a lot and how great a relationship they have. So the people around him, he has a really good base of people who kind of love and support him. So I don't, I'm not aware of any personal problems. Uh, this is something specifically related to on the field and with the knowledge of this offense and with his confidence, because it can't be anything else. Can it?
1: Well, I mean, I, 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 the point, the two points you brought up, I mean, maybe there there was a reason that they gave him so many public votes of confidence and it was a feel good storyline of the off season that, uh, that, that he, you know, yeah, it's his fourth offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, but you know, this is the best combination he's had and, uh, and all these things. And, um, yeah, I just, maybe, maybe he's kind of have, kind of has the psyche where he needs that. Um, and he needs to uh, just to have some of those those votes of confidence and have a coach publicly in, in his corner i'm sure privately behind closed doors i mean they've made it clear to him that he needs to play better and uh, i thought it was kind of telling that mark west Calloway after the game said that you know basically said that jarrett needs to start playing better or this is what's going to be like i mean and and saying that that garantana knows that so uh and, and i don't know that it's you know that it's necessarily oh the offense is too complicated for him or they're putting too much on him because he's he's missing throws that he should be able to make regardless of who his coach is or what the play called. No,
0: I, I I I just meant that you like have a,
1: you have a guy running you have a guy running wide open, make the throw. You have a swing pass to a guy. Don't you know don't, No, I, I guess what know, I that meant by an that easy throw.
0: Yeah, let me clarify that, Pat. I, I think what I'm what I'm saying is that maybe because of the choices being put on him on a snap to snap basis there's maybe too much pressure there on him and mentally he's just kind of cracking that that's, I mean, that might be a really dumb thought, but I'm trying to think of anything that could possibly make sense. And that's all I've got is that maybe, maybe something with some of the decisions he has to make at the line. Maybe he's thinking too much. Maybe he's not just doing, taking what's right in front of him. Yeah. But but I don't know.
1: That was one of the things he was excited about playing in this offense was one of the first things he said when we talked to him back in the spring was that how, much more control he was going to have with the line of scrimmage as a quarterback. And we see him making checks and change protections and those things. And, um, you know, that was something he was excited about. And, and it, it would seem odd that he would be excited about sort of, I don't want to say freedom, but having more on his plate to handle and then um, struggle handling it. I mean, I think he's just sort of, I, it seems like he's just sort of in his own mind. Um, and, and just, I don't, I don't know if uh, he, he's just, he, he's just off and, and I never and I told somebody this the other day, I never thought that he was maybe a world beater at a quarterback, but he could be at his best. He's a solid, serviceable SEC quarterback. But he's not even been close to that in three of the four games. Yeah. Um, and, and his regression really has been – it's really been shocking. Uh, it's gotten to the point now where, uh, I mean, if you're Tennessee, I think you really have to give a really long look this week towards um, potentially making a change. And at the very least, you need to come up with – Sort of a, a a set of plays for Brian Maurer to get him into games, so that you can take some of this pressure off of Garantino, give him a break during games, give him some extra time, maybe on the sideline to uh, get on the phone or whatever with with Jim Cheney and, and talk through things with Chris Winkie to sort of hit the reset button with him, and while Maurer goes out and and sort of does what they've designed for him, uh, but. I mean, it's just it's it's really the the storyline of the season. And, and again, I, I want to reiterate too something that I've said before and that I think we've all kind of said. Uh, to say Tarantano is the hundred percent the only reason Tennessee is one and three is not that's not true. It's not it's not that simple. Correct. And they've got a lot of other problems that they need to figure out and, and need to to find solutions for. But uh, certainly that's a big one. And it's certainly hard to call plays and have an identity on offense when your quarterback situation is a mess, and it, it has deteriorated to the point where it is a it is a full blown mess, and and that sort of bore itself out uh, in Gainesville on Saturday.
0: Yeah, Pat, here's the here's the uh, here's the the arguments against doing this. Uh, I, I've thought about this, and I, I can think of two reasons. Uh, one that I have discussed a lot, and one that I've discussed a little bit. But just in case anyone needs a refresher on this, there are to me two arguments for why you don't make this move yet Uh, one of them is the very simple one it's that you are trying to reset a culture of losing Uh, you look at these players they're allergic to success the upperclassmen on this program I'm not going to use the term losers but they're just not winners they have not won games Uh, I'm not trying to sound harsh I'm just saying they they make so many fundamental mistakes on so many small things that lose them games to where it's just their culture now it's part of their identity And, and I don't know what can be done to fix that. Um, But uh, I I do think that there's something to be said for if you're trying to reset a culture, don't make a true freshman's first career start one against the number two or number three team in the country. Don't do that because you are potentially taking his confidence and just throwing it out the window before he even gets a chance to establish himself. And what I do like about Maurer is that he's a really confident kid. Uh, He thinks he can make every throw. He wants to run out there and make plays. I like that about him. I like the way he carries himself on the field, and I don't know that I want to just go ruin that by having Georgia, you know, tee, tee off on him. Um, the second one is that you can make a case, and nobody wants to hear this because Maurer did lead them to three points the other day, but Jarrett Garantano's number, numbers were better than Maurer's were in that game, and he had a quarterback rating of nearly 90. Maurer's was 51.8. So – You cannot, you can make the argument that objectively, and no one wants to hear this. You can make the argument objectively that Garantano gives them the best chance to win games right now. And people don't want to hear that. I know people are probably driving off the road or smashing their head against their computer screens right now at work, but that the numbers prove that. Uh, Now that that question becomes does it matter? Because if you're going to lose either way, do you want to lose with the younger guy?
1: Yeah, and and to, to counter, and to, I don't want to say play devil, you know, play play devil's advocate here. If if you're going to play a guy who's making a lot of simple mistakes that you would expect maybe a guy with not a lot of experience uh, to make is making, then why not play the guy that's got a little bit more experience? Um, and, and and a couple of players said this after the game. Maurer uh, is, is a guy that brings energy. He's got some moxie about him. He's got some. some you know, he, he's got some of that. Uh, those attributes that 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 Pruitt talked about after the game and uh, I think his second question after the game was why do he change quarterbacks and, and he kind of said at some point you have to go take the bull by the horns and have a positive impact on the people around you um, and 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 it's it's clear I mean I, I hate to bring up the Georgia Tech thing because I still think that's something that that still gets held unfairly against Jerry Gantano but he you know, you, you, sometimes his body language isn't the best. And sometimes he gets down when he makes mistakes. And that's fine. A lot of players do. Um, and, and maybe Maurer's <laughs> too naive to the point where he's not, not doing that yet. But um, you have to sort of give life and give energy and give positive vibes, I think was the term that, that Pruitt used. Uh, and Maurer can do some of those things. Having said that, he's not at all ready to play. And I think we've Correct. Seen not 100%
0: games. not ready.
1: And, and uh, Pruitt didn't explicitly say why they went back from Maurer to Garantano in, in the second half at Florida, but I think it was pretty clear that you weren't getting much. You know, the, the results you were getting weren't much better.
0: And the package you probably uh, had for him going into the game was probably you know uh, had run well, out.
1: I, and I think I, I don't think Tennessee really helped Maurer very much because they you know they talked uh, after the Chattanooga game about wanting to get him in that game early with a sort of a. A package with some quarterback run plays and some things, uh, some different things, and they didn't really do that. I mean, I think he played, I think maybe 20 snaps, and I think they called maybe 14 or 15 pass plays um, in that in that stretch. Um, and and that you know they kind of I don't want to say made him a pocket passer, but because uh, probably some of those passes were RPO plays where he has one or two reads on uh, or, or key he's keying on the linebacker and what get you know if the linebacker bites on on the fake handoff, he pulls it quick and throws a slant. Uh, They were doing a lot of that. A few of them got knocked down. A few of them were completed, but um, he's a guy that you need to sort of get his legs involved, roll him out, get him some zone read looks where he pulls the ball and keeps it. Quarterback draws. You got to give him those things. They didn't didn't really give him those things. I don't like that about sort of how they, they handled it with, with him in there and they sort of made him be a pocket passer, which he's not quite ready to be yet. So, uh, and, and then he, you know, he he made some some good throws and he made some things happen, but then he you know he throws one in triple coverage and uh, throws one five yards out of bounds. Where if it's you know not five yards out of bounds, then he might have gotten a pass interference penalty on on that first drive when yep. he took a shot to Marquez Callaway. Um,
0: and Callaway's and got a pretty his, good rep of either catching the ball or knocking it down. So
1: yeah, I mean, and, and you know yeah he you know he had the throw in triple coverage, uh, and, and I think his last throw you know he got baited into his interception um you know poor dominic Anderson. you have to feel for that guy after saturday's game he, he's wide open for maybe a touchdown i don't know if he outruns for the secondary but i mean he can run, run you know? huh? he can run a four he
0: can run a four seven or something you know he can run a four seven he's probably got a chance
1: yeah he had a long way to go though but you, you have to feel bad for that guy because he's running open for maybe a, a huge touchdown and then later in the game the other quarterback comes in and gets him tattooed uh, when they sort of baited him into that throw and and it led to an interception but uh, and i think mauer's Final throw. Oh, he had Palmer open on the sideline on one of those shot plays and, and air milled it bad. And so, I mean, that's, that's sort of what you have. Um, and, and, you know, I, I don't know that, that Maurer showed you enough in that game to, to keep you inspired. Now uh, I, I don't, I don't know that I would have gone back to Garantano at that point, but um, I don't, that's sort of water in the bridge at this point and, and you need to be looking forward, but uh, I, I don't think he's ready. And I think a lot of people are looking at, at places Uh, elsewhere, you know, Auburn with Bo Nix. I think Mississippi State started a freshman and beat Kentucky on Saturday. Oklahoma State's got a guy that was a four-star that's playing pretty well as a freshman. Just because some of these other freshmen are playing and doing X, Y, and Z, doesn't mean that that Tennessee can realistically expect the same from from Brian Maurer or J.T. Shrout, although I think Maurer is clearly at a shroud at this point.
0: Yes, Um, they can't hide that anymore. but,
1: but, But at the same time, there's an argument for you have an extra week, you can give him a lot more reps with the one than he's than the ones that he's gotten. Um, you can sort of hone in on on what he does best and, and just work on that subset of plays for the next two weeks, and try to develop him and, and try to get him to a point where uh, maybe he can start for you against Georgia, or at the least, he's more ready than maybe he was Saturday. And and again, I, I think uh, the alternate route without you know if you if you bench Jared Garantana, who knows at this point. He, he might take his ball and go home. We don't know. Yep. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think he's got a little bit more uh, pride and fortitude than that, but uh, if he sees the writing on the wall or, or has this, an inkling that there is the writing on the wall, you know, he's, he's got to look out for his own career. You know, I mean, and I think, uh, I think, wanting, like I a earlier, I so think that, wanting a fresh but, start, I think wanting a
0: fresh start for him and, can be important too.
1: And, yeah. And so I, I think maybe the the compromise there is that Garantano is still your starter, but you prepare Maurer to, to play and play early and, put him in the game at, at some point to have uh, a package of plays that you've worked on that he's worked on that, you know, he can execute and see if he can give you a shot in the arm and, and maybe, uh, maybe you bring him in the 34th series against Georgia, maybe he does something and, and that sort of sparks the whole offense. So uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't envy the situation that they put themselves in or, or that, or that it's, it's gotten into, but uh, it's, it's the situation that's happened and, and they got to find a way to, uh, if Garantano wasn't already a reclamation project, he's even a bigger one now. Uh, and Then they have to sort of, I don't, you know, you don't want to throw a guy like Maurer to the wolves too soon, but, at, you know, if you're going to have these mistakes that Garantano is making, I can see a case for, you know, hey, let's let the freshman that can, you know, do some things, run on the ball and, you know, he's got, you know, he's used to throwing on the run and all that kind of stuff. Uh, let him get out there and see what he can do. I mean, that's, uh, I see an argument for both cases and, and, and this is just talking about these next two weeks and the rest of the season. I mean, who knows where Tennessee is going to go uh, at the quarterback situation? You know, beyond this season, I, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't know that it's all speculation at this point. But um, that's something that they really have to answer. Or you know, they're they're staring at being one and six when UAB comes down to because if 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 they don't if they don't get better quarterback play, a lot of the other stuff and a lot of the other problems really aren't going to matter because it's the most important position on the field and it's position where Tennessee's had arguably. Uh, it's worst performances uh, in, th- in, in three of the game in, in, in three of their four losses. Let me say this: again. in three of their losses this season.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say two more quick things about the quarterback before we step away and, and say one other thing and get out of here. Uh, the first thing is that uh, I think what I saw from Jonathan Crompton his senior season and what he was able to do and how Jim Cheney was such a big part of that I mean that's the reason I'm not giving up on Garantano right now because I do think that I have seen guys come back from the depths of despair to end up being pretty decent quarterbacks so that's why I'm I'm willing to to not throw that away yet and also because Jeremy Pruitt clearly seems to like some things about the kids so I don't know, i'm i'm not I'm not saying I would bet on it because I wouldn't, but but it's possible. Uh, it is possible. And the second thing is that if I'm Tennessee, uh, I don't claim to be a recruiting expert. We got two guys on our site who do a great job of covering recruiting. I'm not one of them. Um but I am not willing to have a signing class that just has Harrison Bailey in it. Uh, I think I would go sign another high school or Juco kid, and I would also look for anyone and everyone in the portal. Uh, because Tennessee needs more options at quarterback, because Tennessee, if Tennessee has to just throw some darts at a board to see if something sticks, that's what you got to do. It's an important position, and they might not have guys on hand right now uh, who are capable of really taking this thing forward, so they have to go add more bodies. And, and I, I really like Bailey as a prospect. Uh, he's a really good prospect, um, but I think they need to add one more, and I think they need to add uh, someone in the portal too, because they just need more numbers there.
1: Yeah, and I think it's uh, I think their situation potentially could be much of, of an easier sell to a potential graduate transfer uh, than maybe it was this past off season when it looked like you know Garantano was more or less pretty entrenched as a starter, and a lot of people thought he would be able to play better than he has. And so if you're if you're a grad transfer and you're looking at the situation going into this particular season, you're thinking, well, that that guy's a starter. He's not, you know, he's you know he's not I'm not going to come in and be able to beat him out and so whereas even going into the 2018 season we've you know with Keller Chris you know they, they told him that he could come in and compete I don't know that that would have been an easiest you know that's similar kind of sell for for the staff going into this particular season but uh yeah I mean if you have a situation where uh if Garantano is on on the team next year uh, and you're down to the two freshmen you got now and Harrison Bailey you're you're that situation is gonna be a lot easier sell to dry transfer QBA or B or C, you know, and, and I would expect them to be active and, and, and I would think that that would be uh, a route they would, would pursue. Um, and that's, and, and that may be, even if Garentena does come back, I mean, there's just so many variables with the situation beyond this season, but I, I do think they, uh, and if you told me right now that your thought was that the you know, Tennessee starting quarterback for 2020 isn't on the team right now, I would probably say you're probably right, but uh, there's a lot of road to cross before we get there. Maybe, you know, maybe Garantano snaps out of this funk and starts playing better. Uh, Maybe he doesn't, and maybe they turn it over to Maurer and and he he catches fire. Uh, I I don't know. We we don't know how it's going to play out, but uh, it's certainly uh, the big question that's sort of the elephant in the room right now for Tennessee both this particular week as they kind of focus on themselves and even sort of beyond, even with the big picture with, uh, this current coaching staff and this program and, and this regime is what are they going to do uh, and how are they going to find or develop or whatever a, a quality quarterback that can play well enough to give them a chance to win all else equal.
0: Before I get you out of here, Pat, any anyone else other than quarterback where you're thinking Tennessee might make some personnel moves uh, in in this next week and a half? I mean, I'm off the top of my head, I'm thinking – Uh, of obviously the guys that, uh, you know, the outside linebacker spot opposite Taylor. Uh, I think guys like uh, Johnson and and Bennett are going to have a hard time holding off guys like Harrison and Crouch um, for for playing time there. Uh, I think that it's possible that you could look at um, maybe even safety with a guy like Warrior, who we wouldn't have thought this. But, you know, I think they might, you know, maybe look at some stuff there. Uh, and any anywhere else that you're thinking you know that, that they might have to look at some personnel stuff in the off in the not off season in the during the bye week? Uh,
1: not really uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I plan to delve into this deeper uh, later in the week on, on the side on Govs go 24/7 but um, this so-called youth movement I mean they're playing a lot of young guys already. Uh, obviously quarterbacks the one where you can play a younger guy but then you know you're playing great running back. Cedric Tillman and, and Ramel Keaton have been part of the re- rotation at receiver. You know, you started two freshmen and a guy making his second start of his career on the offensive line last week or the last two games. Um, your whole defensive line's already pretty much new, anyway. Um, you know, you, you got a freshman playing at linebacker. You got the two freshmen playing at outside linebacker. Uh, I don't, I don't know that they've got, you know, you know Bur- Warren Burrell's playing at corner. You know, they they are playing a lot of young guys already like I said earlier, that it's not like they have 15 other young guys that are that are waiting in the wings. But uh, one guy I would, I, I would be interested to see if they give him more time is maybe Jalen McCullough uh, yeah. at safety. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, I think, you know, we talked about Theo Jackson earlier. I think he's been the team's best safety through four games. Um, and that's definitely one guy. If you're wondering, oh, this staff is supposed to be developing players who have they developed? he's a guy that appears to have gotten considerably better from what he was last season he's not perfect, but he, like I said, he's been playing better than some of the other guys that got back there. Um Maybe it's, you know, it's a big week for Trayvon flowers. I think another guy that's uh, that was brought in by the staff that, that they've talked up a lot that hasn't sort of backed it up yet, but you know, he has moments where he's in the right spots and makes nice plays. Um But uh yeah. And then I, I don't, I don't know what they were doing at cornerback on, on Saturday, to be honest. I mean, Kenneth George starts against UTC and, and by all accounts has a decent game and then it looked like he was the fourth guy in at cornerback correct uh, against florida so i don't i don't know if he just had a really bad week of practice um uh, you know burrell they've defended him publicly and then he got he got beat pretty bad uh, um, for a touchdown alante taylor was fortunate that jacob copeland dropped a pass that might have been for a touchdown uh and so they just you know they didn't need to figure out i think what what to do in the secondary with some of the guys that they got but uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, they don't—they don't have. I mean, uh, they—they're going to have to be playing some guys that, that quite frankly, aren't ready to play if they're going to go on with a full-on youth movement or, or even make it more of a youth movement than frankly it already has been so far this season.
0: I think that's a fair place to leave it, Pat. I'm going to go ahead and let you get out of here, and I'll play some music and 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 put this one to bed. But thanks for joining us, man. And uh, sorry you didn't get to see the Braves win on Sunday.
1: It's okay. They're going to be doing a lot more winning here in the next few weeks.
0: Hey, before I, before I turn the music on, did you have any final thoughts? No. Thanks, Pat. It's you, buddy. That was Patrick Brown. Our own Patrick Brown, our football beat writer at twenty four seven Does an excellent job, and we will have more on this uh, later in the week. Obviously, we're going to have at least one more podcast this week. I know that Tennessee is... Uh, Tennessee's in a tough, tough spot right now. There's no way around that, but we've seen this before. We will talk about it. We will discuss it. Uh, at some point, guys, it, it's going to get better. I, I don't know when, exactly, but I'm not willing to throw in the towel on this on this area yet. Uh, I've said before, I think Jeremy Pruitt has a lot of good qualities in a football coach, and I think he's a guy that could learn how to do this uh, and do it pretty well. And, and I don't think that Tennessee is in any kind of a financial position to even do anything if it wanted to this year anyway. So uh, they're going to have to improve from within. They've given the guy money. They've given him a good staff. Uh, they just they need to put it together, and they need to see where they can go with this thing because it is in a rough spot, and it is going to get rougher. It's not really an optimistic thing to, to say, but I think it's the truth, so get used to it, guys. Uh, and, and if you if you need uh, some wins in your life, uh, basketball won't be too far away. Speaking of that, we are going to do uh, some basketball stuff later in the pod this week. We're going to talk with Ramey about the schedule. Uh, about some other things, about some team updates. we got a bunch of good stuff we're going to do this week. So we're going to bring that to you. Uh, in the meantime, you can find all of us on social media. I am Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And Ryan Callahan is R. Callahan 24-7. You can also find all of us at twitter.com slash 24 four seven if you want just the facts, the FBI the Jagger Hoover. Just the facts, ma'am. Just the facts, sir. You can get that at Twitter.com slash twenty 247 or you can go to Facebook.com slash twenty 247 where Ramy, uh, with a little help from Pat, but mostly Ramy, does an awesome, awesome job of doing everything on our Facebook page. Or you can also go straight to the source, drink water straight from the hose. Uh, you can... Maybe it's like kind of like driving by a car accident, but you know what? Uh, we are that car accident. We are we are going to bring that to you. We're going to be unfiltered. We're going to tell you what's going on at Tennessee. We're going to tell you just how bad it is, how much it could get better, what's right, what's wrong, what needs to change. All of that at Govalls247.com. We will have. Football news, football recruiting news, basketball news, basketball recruiting news, baseball news, women's basketball news with Maria Cornelius, women's softball news, women's basketball recruiting news, all kinds of stuff all day long. There's a reason why we call it 24-7. We are always there at govals 247com and you can get 30% off an annual subscription right now if you go to govals 247com Thanks, guys. We'll see you in a couple of days.